getting restored and, and hearing a, a, about the teen getting baptized. What a, boy, what a way to start a midweek, man. And um, I, think, I think I heard earlier that there's a brother um, from China uh, here, right? Or, or, or I think I heard that, that he's either in China or believes he's in China or something. But um, regardless of what time of the day it is for you, whether it's in the day or in the night, in the morning or the evening, God is always in control. And I'm, I'm very grateful um, to be able to, um, to join you guys and to be here. And, and I want to share um, some scriptures with you tonight on the, the sovereignty of God. I want to talk a little bit about that. And um, Mike, told me that that you guys like to fellowship after and so definitely um i'd love to be able to to stay a little bit and fellowship and connect with you guys if you have any questions about the um about the topic or the message um so why don't we say a prayer together let's pray father <clears throat> in heaven we are thankful for your love and your kindness and we are thankful that um we're your children uh, we're thankful that we are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. We're thankful that you, um, with, with everything that is going on, um, we're thankful for our salvation, that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus, and that we have received um, the, the, the most important message, and that is a message of salvation. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will work uh, through me. Your Holy Spirit will, um, as we study your word today, your Holy Spirit will work in a powerful way that you will minister to every single person who is on this call. I pray that we would see you better. We would see you more clearly as we, as we study out one of, the, one of your attributes, which is your sovereignty. We pray, Father, that we will grow in our knowledge of you and that we will increase our trust in, in the, re, uh, the spiritual reality that you are in control of the affairs of our lives. Father, strengthen us at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to start with um, giving a, a definition. What does it mean? What does it mean to be sovereign? And to, to be sovereign means possessing uh, supreme or ultimate power. And we believe as Christians that God is sovereign. That is, that is one of our fundamental uh, tenets of our faith, that God is sovereign, that he possesses supreme or ultimate uh, and our ultimate power over, over all things. Just as God is loving, and we accept that aspect of his character, just as we accept his kindness as an aspect of his character or attribute of his character, we should also um, accept that he is sovereign. We can't really know the true God unless we embrace every aspect of his character. And in our relationship with God, 
God reveals different aspects of his character over time so we can get to know him. If God were to reveal himself completely to us right now, we would, we would be like Ezekiel just <laughs> lying down by the side of the river, just completely overwhelmed. Our human frame cannot fully grasp God in his entirety. So he reveals himself to us um, bit by bit. And the scriptures over and over again declare God to be sovereign. In Isaiah chapter 28, now you can write these passages down. I don't, I don't have any slides, but you can write them down. I'm just going to read them. Isaiah 28, it says, uh, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge. The lie and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away morning by morning. <clears throat> by day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. Isaiah 28, verse 16, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And of course, he's speaking about um, laying a stone uh, in Zion, a tested stone. And we know, we know who that stone is. It's Jesus. And God declared, he said, I, I am going to lay this stone. Why? Simply because I am sovereign. I am going to do this. Nobody can stop me. Nobody can take me to court. Nobody can say anything to me to prevent me from acting. I am going to do this. Why? Because I possess supreme and ultimate power over the affairs of the earth. And of course, he's talking about salvation. God, God wants all men and women to be saved and to come to a knowledge of, of the truth. That is, that is who he is. He is sovereign and he wants all men and women to be saved. Over and over again, God is referred to as sovereign. There's a great passage in Isaiah chapter 40 um, in verse 8. We're going we're gonna to uh, bite a chunk out of this uh, today. He says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. I'm in Isaiah 40 verse 8. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. There it is again. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that are young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. 
Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burning, for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashion silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understand since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, then he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom do you compare me to? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What, a, what an incredible passage. And in this passage, Isaiah declares the sovereignty of God. And there, there's a couple of things I want to draw out here. Um, God is sovereign over his church. He says in verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. God is like a shepherd and he carries us. He carries you and me close to his heart. He carries the entire New York church, the entire Brooklyn church. All of us, he carries close to his heart. He is sovereign over his church. He's sovereign over creation. I love, when I was a young Christian, I used to love reading this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? You know, when you go out to the, to, the, to, the, to the coast and to the water, you see just these vast, the vast expanse of the ocean. It just is amazing just how much water. Water art takes up 70% of the Earth's surface. And it says that, that God measured the, measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. He is sovereign over all creation. I, I just love it when, when he says here um, that who has taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding in verse 14. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? God is, God is, God is the source of all wisdom. He is sovereign over all wisdom, all knowledge, all resides in the hand of God, all, all sorts of knowledge, whether it be spiritual knowledge or medical knowledge or knowledge of the earth or knowledge of the heavens, 
that all comes from the hand and from the mouth of God. He is sovereign over all wisdom. And I love it when he says he is sovereign over the nations. Look, look, look at what he says here. He says in verse 23, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. God has been doing that from time immemorial. He raises one person up and then he takes them out. Raises another person up, takes them out. He is sovereign over the, over the governance of all nations. It's God. Even though we have different forms of government in different countries throughout the world, the scriptures declare that God is sovereign over all, over all nations. And then he ends by saying, Isaiah ends by saying, he says, because he's sovereign, we got to put our hope in him. If we really believe that God is sovereign, we've got to put our hope in him. That's when he will give us the strength and the power. That's when we will soar on wings like eagles and we will run and not grow weary as we continue to put our trust in God. I want to talk a little bit today about God being sovereign over his church. Because if we believe God is sovereign and all-powerful, then we've got to believe that God is sovereign over his church. And he's ultimately in charge of all the affairs of the church. And, and to, to be honest with you, sometimes those, affairs, sometimes those things may go away that you may like, but sometimes they may not go the way you like. But at the end of the day, I've got to trust that God is sovereign. We all have got to trust that God is sovereign over the affairs of his church. There's a really great scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 where, um, and we've read this, we, re we read this in the, in the um, church study, you know, where it talks about just as a body has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So we were all baptized with one spirit, so it's to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or Greek, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. I'm in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the air should say, because I'm an eye, because I'm not an eye, pardon me, I'm not, I do not belong to the body. It would, not for, it, for that, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And in verse 18, I really want us to look at verse 18. It says, but in fact, this is a spiritual truth, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In an earlier version in NIV, it says, God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. This is, a, this is a declaration of truth from, from the scriptures, that God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. And that's interesting. Paul is comparing the church to the body, to the human body. And I didn't put my ears where they are. It was God who put them. I'm not, I've never complained about where my ears are located. It's just, that's where they are. Yeah, I, I, he has arranged all the parts of the body. And just as God has constructed my human body, he has also arranged the parts of the body in his church. 
My mother is a Ikebana floral arranger. She, uh, Ikebana is a Japanese style of flower arranging. And my mom studied Ikebana. And if you're, if you're, if you're familiar with it, um, it's, it's a fascinating way to arrange flowers. And, and, and my mom would, would go and pick um, bush. It looked to me like bush. And then she would take some dry leaves and then she would take a few flowers and then she would take the bush, the dry leaves and the flowers and she would arrange all of them into this Ikebana arrangement and it would be stunning. And I would look at me going, how is my mother able to just take things that seem pretty innocuous, pretty worthless to be, and just make them into something really beautiful? Every time I think about this passage where it says God has arranged the parts of the body, I think about my mother. Because God takes people and sometimes moves them around and puts them in the part in the different parts of the body. It's, it's God who has arranged Lisa to be a part of the body. It's God who has arranged all of you to be a part of, a special part of the New York church in Brooklyn. And it's God who moves around different pieces, different parts, because we are um, under his sovereign power and under his control. God does that because we are his church and he arranges the parts of the body it says just as he wants them to be when you study the book of acts you see this um you know many of you would know of, of stephen's persecution and stephen in acts chapter 7 was the first martyr of the faith and in acts chapter 8 a great persecution broke out in the church in acts chapter 8 it says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, prior to Acts chapter 8, the church in Jerusalem was just centered in Jerusalem. All the preaching and teaching were done by, by the apostles and they had raised up deacons and, and but all the members of Christ's body was right there in Jerusalem. And then the persecution broke out. Stephen was killed. And it says that those people, people scattered. They, they, they left. They went to different cities. And we can look at that and go, oh man, that was sad for Stephen to die. And boy, think about all the relationships that were disrupted when different parts of the body went someplace else. So think about, you know, kind of the uncertainty of what we're going to do, where we're going to meet, all that stuff. But behind all of that was God. You know, now we have the benefit of 2020 vision hindsight. We realize that this was all part of God's plan to spread the gospel. And he used this, 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 this persecution with Stephen to do what he wanted the church to do. And even though it must have been painful to be persecuted, to be chased out of town, all of that was, is under the umbrella of God's sovereignty over his church. In Acts chapter 13, we, we see uh, about another 
sort of movement. Um, it says in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they prayed and fasted, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So, so again, God was doing great things with, through, in the church in, in Antioch, and they had um, some really great guys in, in this church. Um, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaean, and Saul, and they were just, they were just together praying, and, and they weren't trying to, maybe they were trying to figure out, okay, God, what do you want us to do? And then the Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And, and I love what, this, what the text says. He says, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. Set apart for me. And then God, God takes these two men. It was just two of them and sends them on this missionary journey. And, and we all know the result. We all know what happened. Here's, here's God moving, moving two leaders from one church and sending them all, all, on, on a mission. But, but the, the preface is set apart for me. Why? I'm, I'm sovereign. God is sovereign over the church. Thank God that, that um, Barnabas and, and Paul were submissive to the, to the will of the Spirit. I mean, it must have been scary for them. They're, they're going, just the two of them. You know, there's no song leader there with them. There's no kingdom kids. You know, it's, just, it's just two guys, you know? And they're just going into places and they would be persecuted in some places chased out in other places, and, but they went. And, and because they went, because they obeyed the Holy Spirit, God was able to establish churches all throughout Europe. And that was the first missionary journey. And, and it all began with God declaring that you're doing this for me. And he's arranging the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. So we see that in the, in the book of Acts. We see God moving people around, things around. And, and it even happens in, in our modern day church. Um, I've moved so many times. <laughs> I've moved so many times, guys. It's, it's, it's actually funny. Um, it, it, it really is. It's, it's really funny um, the amount of times I've moved and the places that I've moved to. And throughout all my moves. And what happened a few minutes after I left that curve? Throughout all my moves, I have tried to look at things through the lens of God's sovereignty. I've, all, I've, I've tried to do that. Um, I was converted in Toronto. I, I, was, a, I was a student in um, University of Toronto and I was converted in 1988. Shortly after, I, I got into the ministry and then I, I was um, asked to go and lead the church in Trinidad. It was a small mission planting. And I remember leaving the, my brothers and sisters who are in Toronto who I love. That that's my mother church. But the spirit called me to go to Trinidad. And I mean, it was hard. 
leaving, but I felt like I had to respond to the Holy Spirit. Eventually, I got married to, to my wife, Robin, who um, I met here in New York. Thank you, God, for the New York City Church of Christ. And, um, and then we eventually went to Trinidad, and we were, we, were, we were in Trinidad for nine wonderful years. And I'm telling you, I had no desire to, to, to go anywhere. As far as I was concerned, I'm going to, live, I'm going to die in Trinidad. Our two, two kids were born in Trinidad, and we said we're going to live in Trinidad, preach a word in Trinidad, and, and help as many people in the Caribbean to become Christians. But in 2004, all of that changed. We, we, the church went through uh, uh, just, uh, uh, and you know, the church went through so much in 2004 and our, our financial resources just, just dried up. And then it became evident to me that I would have to seek um, a ministry position in another country. And I'm telling you, I was depressed. I said, but God, I'm supposed to be living in Trinidad for the rest of my life. But God made it so clear that he had something else in store for me. And I'll never forget the day we left Trinidad. Um, there were about 60 people at the airport um, from the church. And we were weeping and wailing. I mean, it was just, it was just incredible, just the, the pain that we felt that we were leaving Trinidad. And then we, we moved to Miami. And I'm telling you, probably about for a year, I was depressed. <laughs> because I miss my Trini people. I miss Trinidad. But in Florida, in Miami, where we went to, you know, I just felt I, I, I developed peer relationships with other evangelists and women's ministry leaders. I, I think it was just, uh, Miami for me was a place of, of refuge, um, a place of re spiritual rejuvenation. And I, I, I learned a lot. I grew a lot spiritually when I went to, to um, the church in Miami. And looking back now, I realized it, it, this, is, this was God at work. And the church in Trinidad had been through some challenging times, but, but, but God is sovereign over the church in Trinidad, and they're doing great now. And I thought, well, we, here it is, man. We're going to stay in Florida. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to preach the word in Florida. I, and I cannot, I mean, the sequences of events, I can't begin to tell you, which is unbelievable. But then a, a door just opened up here in New York. I had, I had no uh, thought of coming to New York. I mean, we loved the New York church, and we just felt like, New York, you, you guys got it going on. God bless you. Um, I didn't think that there, was, that there would ever be a need for um, a region leader here in, here in New York, but a door opened up. Scott Davis and his wife were wanting to go to Baltimore, and, and I had just contacted Sam about just some, some challenges that I was going through, and then Sam told me about, you know, hey, there, there's, they're looking for some, some people, and then I came, and, and um, man, I mean, I never saw it coming. And I remember on, we had visited New York and we actually met with um, uh, Nietzsche and Daisy and we had lunch with them. And on the plane ride back, you know, I told my wife, I said, honey, God is doing something here. And then within a couple of months, 
we're here in New York. We've been in New York for eight wonderful years, and it's been amazing, you know, just to learn from the Pauls and to connect with the rights and just to, to see just what God has done in Brooklyn, to see what God has done in this great church. It's been amazing, and it's also given me a, a great opportunity to connect with my brothers and sisters in the Caribbean. And, and so I've, I've, I've moved so many different places. And each place I've gone, I see, I see God at work. I see God um, arranging the, the parts of the body. Um, and sometimes I can really feel like, you know what, God, I just, I just want to stay one place. Can I just stay, can I just stay at one place? But I realize brothers and sisters, you know what, man, I'm, I'm just a member of his body. That's all I am. I don't have any right um, to be anywhere. And I feel like God can move me wherever he wants. That's my, that's my attitude now, wherever he wants me, because he is sovereign. And you know, when I, when I adopt this view, I mean, one of the most stressful things in life is moving. <laughs> you know? when, I, when I adopt this view that I'm going to look at what's going on with me through the lens of God, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm strengthened. You know, I'm, I'm comforted. I, I feel, even though the ride can be bumpy, um, I just feel God's hand um, over me. And, you know, Back in Isaiah 40, you know, he says, he says, why, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired of weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I, I know um, the church in Brooklyn is, is, is going through a lot. I know. Um, I've been praying for you and um, all of us have been praying that, that God will comfort you in the midst of your transitions. I know it is not easy. Um, you lost an incredible minister in Nietzsche. It's hard to replace guys like Nietzsche. Um, it's, it's just, you just, you, these guys, guys like Nietzsche, they just don't fall from trees. Um, God provided you with Phil, and um, and Phil did his work. He, he did the work that the Holy Spirit brought him to Brooklyn to do, and the Spirit has other work for Phil to do. And God is going to bring somebody to Brooklyn to minister, to be your minister, to watch over you, and to lead you. I think what God requires from all of us is to trust him, is to have an unwavering, unshakable 
trust in God's sovereignty. Um, when I left Trinidad, I felt like I was abandoning my children. And they felt the same way too. I mean, it was just, we were that close. But I had to put my feelings of spiritual parenthood aside and trust God with everything. And the church in Trinidad has gotten stronger and they're doing well. I believe that God wants to renew the faith of every disciple in Brooklyn. I believe he wants every one of you to soar with wings of eagles. And he wants you to not grow tired or faint or weary in this process. But I want you and I want to encourage you to, to trust him. Even though you may feel like you're in the meat grinder right now, trust him, brothers and sisters, um, with every detail of your life because he is sovereign. Amen. That's, um, that's the lesson for today. I, I, hope that, I hope that the Lord has encouraged you and strengthened you and um, wanted to open it up for any questions or comments or, or thoughts that you want to share.